Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Russ Podcast tonight. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience that you want to share on the show? Are you religious? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm not on the TikTok yet or X. You know, I'm 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 low key. I'm on. You know, I don't even like being on Instagram and, and Facebook these days. It's all. Uh, well, you know, it's it's a necessary evil, I guess. But, you know, guys, just get, get in touch with me. Get a hold of me. Let's get some testimonies on. Let's share uh, what God's doing in your life and get it out to the world. And let's try and get people saved. Uh, so tonight, this is the start to a busy weekend. I got like five, I think five interviews lined up for this weekend. So you guys are going to have a lot of content come uh, Sunday, Monday. Uh, but tonight, uh, I had Sister Doreen Burrett back on with me. Uh, she wanted to um, tell her testimony of how she came out of law. You know, this was after she got saved, how she came out of law and, you know, her own works and how she was set free of, of that bondage by coming into the message of the cross, which, you know, this, this is the message for the church today. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a dual, dual meaning message. Like, this is the message of salvation and it's also the message of victorious living and and how to live for God, you know. And it seems a lot of the church today doesn't know how to do that. It seems like everybody, you know, once they get saved, they go in and start doing their own thing, and they, you know, they're trying to do something for God and achieve it through their own will, their own power, and their own strength. And you know, everybody develops their own habits, and they try to, you know, they put their faith in that in hopes that they'll look good for God and you know that that doesn't get any that doesn't get us anything all it does is is grieve the Holy Spirit and and his hands are tied you know that this whole uh, God's economy is on faith and it's faith alone in the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross and we need to stay there so let's get over to Doreen right now All right, guys, back for the third time now, Sister Doreen Burrett. Doreen, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Kirk. How are you doing? I'm um, good. I'm excited. To, I mean, we we literally have endless content at our disposal, and you and I could probably do a million episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, you you can't. There's no end. To talking about how good God is. You're right, Amen. And uh, what I want to talk about tonight, because we uh, we covered your testimony in the first episode, and then we did Dan's in the second, and now tonight I kind of want to I want to take it from the point where after you got saved, I want to talk about um, your experiences um, trying to get to the point of living for the Lord and how to do that. And getting delivered from from law and trying to do things your way, and then how you got the revelation of the cross, and then how the message of the cross kind of just changed everything. Because that's uh, this is you know this is one of the biggest things we see today in the church is that people they get saved and then they just kind of they either fizzle out or they go full bore into religion because they don't know how to live for God. Right, exactly. You, you know, so that's 
that's kind of a, a big thing today. And, and, you know, Brother Swagger got that revelation back in, what was it, early 90s, late 90s. And, you know, that th- this is the message for the church today, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this is it. So I want to I want to get your take on what your life was like after getting saved up to that point and some of the things you saw and uh, just go from there. And, you know, I want to I want to say this, too, um, for the listeners, like my story of how now I am blessed beyond belief to have come in to knowing the Lord on the message of the cross I started investigating the gospel through SBN from the start, and that's that doesn't happen often. And I thank the Lord every day. And you know what I see in in my walk now, and coming up on four years here, and in about two weeks, it'll, it'll be four years I'll be saved. Um, and and now talking to Christians, uh, the majority have been in some kind of bondage to religion or some kind of works, or some kind of false teaching, or or one thing after the other. And, and I could remember when I got saved, um, I had Adam who gave me the gospel, and he was discipling me, and he, he's the one who turned me on to SBN. And then there was one other guy in my life who was from my past life, and he was a Christian. So he was telling me, um, one thing, and Adam was telling me the truth, but at the time I didn't know this. So Adam's telling me to, to follow SBN and show me what to read and giving me some books. And we were looking in our area for a good church to go to, cause there really aren't any at all. And there was a girl that, cause Adam worked with that with me. And there was a girl at our work who had recently got baptized with the Holy Spirit at an Assemblies of God uh, right up the road from where I live. So I was telling the other friend, I said, hey, there's a guy at work who told me uh, there's an Assemblies of God church we're going to go check out. And he said, you don't want to go there. And I said, why not? He said, well, they're Pentecostal. I said, well, (laughs) what does that mean? He said, well, they're going to try and use Acts chapter 2 and the whole book of Acts, really, to try and prove the point that speaking in tongues is biblical. And it's the furthest thing from biblical that you can get. It's 100% demonic, and you need to avoid that. Wow. And it didn't, you know, I'm a new believer. I don't know anything. Like, I grew up agnostic, and I grew up, you know, playing death metal, and, you know, that that was me. I knew nothing about this. And there's only two people now telling me. So I say this to Adam, and I was like, no, that's not right. So now I'm faced with a dilemma here, and I have to decide— which way I'm going to go. So I start, you know, I'm still talking to both of them about stuff. Well, and then it gets to a point where um, I was talking with both of them about a sin in my life or something I was struggling with. And the guy who told me to avoid uh, the Pentecostal churches, he said to me, you don't need to worry about sin now that you're saved. He said, you Mm. can ignore sin. And you could, you know, he said, Satan is the accuser. All you got to do is mm. ignore it and go on about your life. And Whoa. he said, you'll be fine. And you know what? Oh. Something didn't sit right inside of me because I was born again and the Holy Spirit right. was letting me know that this isn't right. Right. So I I sought that out with Adam and, and Adam showed me 
in scripture and and I, you know he confirmed it with me so i i slowly started working away from that other guy and going just lead, letting the holy spirit lead and following the leading of the holy spirit and i stuck with sbn and i stuck with the expositor study bible and you know ended up meeting pastor mike and going to that church and you know the rest is history but mm-hmm. a lot of people today uh they're not faced with the option of the truth always you know, it, it, it could be a lot of false religion or false whatever. And if, if you're really not sensitive to the Holy Spirit and leading you of where to go, you, you know, people could be in big trouble today. Yes, there are many voices, none without significance. You have to test the spirits to see whether they be of God. Right. Well, how do you test them? Jesus said, if you abide in my word then you're my disciples indeed disciple means follower and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free amen his word is truth but jesus said i am the truth because the word of god is a testimony about jesus and you were mentioning sbn and for anybody who doesn't know that stands for sun life broadcasting network sun life s-o-n he is the life yep He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And so the life is in him. And if you have him, you have life. If you don't, you don't have life. We just have this earthly existence, but we don't have real life. We don't have spiritual life. And so that's what we need to get. And, you know, you were talking about trying to learn the things of God, trying to know the things of God. And before I was saved, I was religious. I knew about the cross. I knew Jesus was the son of God. He came to earth, did miracles, and he died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. But I wasn't saved. I knew some facts, correct facts. Right. Knowing them isn't believing in them. And then when I came to understand the gospel, understand my sin and why Jesus died on the cross, not just a historical event overseas somewhere, but he didn't just die for our sins. He died for my sins. And when I placed my faith there and I took my faith off me and what I was doing, at that point, I understood the cross for salvation. I understood that he had to be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement or punishment for our peace was put on him. And God put on Jesus the iniquity of us all, all our law breaking, all our sin. God made him who never knew sin to become sin for us so we could be made the righteousness of Christ through him. So he took our sin. And then he gave us his righteousness because he did everything right and we did stuff wrong. And so I got salvation. And that's all I got in the beginning. Now, I didn't know anything. So the Holy Spirit was doing stuff. He was starting to teach me things. He, He did convict me when I lied and, you know, just kind of spoke to me and said, go tell the truth. (laughs) And so something I'd lied about forever, I just, the spirit of truth had moved in and I told the truth about it because that's part of what he does. 
And then I started sharing the gospel with some people. And that was kind of short lived because when you meet a lot of resistance and people don't want to hear it, you could just get discouraged and kind of quit. And I was reading the word of God and learning stuff. And the Holy Spirit was was making changes. As I, I testified before, I was a mixed up mess, didn't know. I had so much false teaching and things that were not of God that I had to unlearn. And so I floundered around a couple of years, finally got myself in a, finally got a Christian church. I didn't know what a Christian church was. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about Christianity, nothing. I thought I was Christian because they told me I was, but I wasn't. I was religious. Lots of, you know, sacraments and rituals and traditions and all that stuff. And religion is just a series of works where you do stuff to make Mm -hmm. yourself acceptable to God. And, you know, there's different gods. There's, you know, Buddhist and, you know, they try to live a good path. The Muslims, you know. They try to kill somebody in a jihad and get to heaven that way. And, you know, others have their philosophical philosophical stuff. But generally, a lot of them try to make you do good things or do some works. And that's the system of this world. And, and, you know, that's the way of the world, too. Right. When I grew up in the olden days... That's when my son-in-law laughs at me. <laughs> your mom always says the olden days and nowadays. Well, <laughs> I guess I got old enough to say that. <laughs> but when I grew up, nobody gave you anything. They didn't. Nobody gave you money or gave you stuff unless it was your birthday or Christmas. So you went out and earned stuff and you worked for it. And that was the way of the world. And you had to work for your grades in school, too. They didn't grade right. on a curve. They didn't you know, boost you up so you would have good self-esteem or anything. If you flunked, you flunked. You got the grade you got, depending on how many answers you got right. Whatever you did was performance-based. That's how it was. You know, you you got pay raises based on your performance. And you got fired if you didn't do well. And things reflected how you worked. And that's how life was. So as you come to Christianity, you kind of bring some of that mindset with you. You have, we have preconceived stuff. And so as I got in the Christian church and started doing more and more Christian things, reading more books and, you know, going to prayer meetings all the time and fasting and going to church. And, you know, after a little while, the Lord dealt with me about giving money to the work of God. So then I was doing that. And what happens Okay, before I was saved, my faith was in me being good, doing good works. Then I get saved, I put my faith in Jesus and what he did on that cross. Now, I'm doing Christian things. And my faith is still in Jesus for salvation, but now in my heart, it's not even something you vocalize or even think, it just it's just what you're doing. I'm thinking the more Bible I read, the more pleased God is with me. And oh, if I missed a day, oh, he, he's really upset with me because I didn't read the Bible that day. And the more I pray, the more pleased he is. And the more I go to church, and, you know, the more I give or 
if I fast or if I do good works or if I share the gospel with somebody. And my faith was turning to what I was doing. And there were times, you know, in certain areas I would have self-righteousness because I was doing good there. But overall, it was more condemnation because I never felt like I was doing enough right. or good enough. And I felt like God was disgusted with me, didn't want to see me coming, just so disappointed in me because I couldn't be good enough. And and you, what do you do? You just try harder, try more. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's what you do. And I remember 1993, I got saved in 1987. 1993, the pastor at our church, we had this mom's group that would meet once a week. And the pastor's wife brought this video. And it was from Brother Swaggart. It was a home church video from a camp meeting. And they played it for everybody. And all the ladies loved it. But I'm watching it. And I'm thinking, well, that's wild and crazy. And that's not decent and in order. There were people jumping out of the choir barefoot, hopping around like a jumping <laughs> bean. You know? Yeah. And these this shambach and dudley smith these two guys and oh, yeah. they're taking their microphone and they're just like going up and down singing with each other face to face and singing real wild and crazy and i'm thinking well that's the flesh that's <laughs> not god this is show business this is just you know some big show they're putting on yeah but the ladies were all excited and they're they were praising god and they loved it and so i asked i asked them can i borrow that and i took it home and they were all saved a lot longer than I was. And so I just had a talk with the Lord. I said, God, they all think this is good. And I thought it wasn't. And either they're all right and I'm wrong, which is probably likely, <laughs> or I'm right and they're all wrong. I said, that's probably not the case, but I don't know. You said things have to be decent and in order, you know, and, and some of these things just, they were just so wild and crazy and they seemed like, you know, showing off and show business and all this stuff. And I'd never seen anything like that. And so I just went to prayer for a couple of days and a night, and whatever, just praying and seeking God. And I said, if this is you, God, I want to know. I don't want to miss it if it's you. It, it doesn't seem right or feel right, but let me know. And I can't explain to you how, but somehow I played it again and God let me know, let me know that it was him. And so we started borrowing those from the pastor and we started watching them. And then I was bugging my husband. Uh, 1995, it was the Easter camp meeting. I'm like, can we go down there? Can we go to that camp meeting thing? Yeah. I don't even know where Louisiana is. No, we're not going. <laughs> so we didn't go. So then they had the 4th of July one. I was like, can we go to that camp meeting? I, I want to go see that. I want to, I want to be a part of that. It sounds great. He goes, I don't know anything about it. I don't know where to stay, what to do, anything about it. No, we're not going. <laughs> so that, <laughs> then Thanksgiving, I'm like, can we go down there? It'd just be great to have all that time with all that preaching and stuff and all that singing. And, and so he said, yes. So 1995, we went down there, November. And it was 
it was <laughs> mind blowing. It was amazing. Oh. It was, I felt like I was in kindergarten, spiritually speaking. Like, I don't know anything. You know, like you're just new in kindergarten. You don't know anything. You, right. you, you're like, what's going on here? I had learned a lot uh, doctrinally by way of truth, the word of God. I had read a ton of books and watched, you know, different educational videos and cassettes and stuff and and learned a lot of false doctrine and true stuff and bible prophecy but i hadn't experienced a lot of the movement and operation of the holy spirit it was just a little trickle where i was and so all of a sudden i go down there and the spirit of god was moving and it was powerful it was strong and i'd never felt anything like that and they were having, they had an eight o'clock Bible study, a 10 o'clock service, a two o'clock service, a seven o'clock service. And in between you were talking to Christians and hanging out with them. And so it was, it was just all day Christianity and it was something. And now that was Wednesday night, all day, Thursday, Friday, and now it's Saturday morning. And I'm sitting there at Bible study, eight o'clock in the morning. And I had a fear come over me. I'm like, uh oh. What if this isn't God? What if I'm being deceived? What if this is all wrong stuff? And the church I was going to, we specialized in studying false doctrine and stuff because we didn't want to be deceived. And I think that's part of the reason we didn't have a lot of movement of the spirit. Like you were saying, you need to find out what's of God and what's not. Right. But we were so scared of being deceived that we, I think, quenched the spirit at times when when the Lord wanted to move, we we're just too scared to give him any freedom. And so I just asked God real quick. And I just, you know, asked him if, if is, am I being deceived? Is this wrong? Am I being carried away? Is this not of you? And, you know, and I was holding my Bible on my lap and he said to me, there's your safety net. And I knew what he was talking about. So all of a sudden, I just quickly ran through all the teachings I'd had and just compared them with the Bible. And nothing was unscriptural. They all lined up. And it was like, whew, good. Okay. I can relax and enjoy this again. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not being deceived. This is God. Yeah. But that's how we know. We have to compare things. Right. God's not going to contradict himself. And so that was the very beginning of my introduction into the message of the cross. And I know my husband spoke with Brother Swagger, you know, and, and asked him, Brother Swagger, you know, you said you got the revelation of the cross in 97, but you taught me in 95 because I went back to my pastor and I told him, you got to start preaching the cross more. And he said, I'm not going to preach salvation every week. I'm not an evangelist. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not talking about salvation. And he was like, you taught me that. And Brother Swagger said, yeah, Dan, I was preaching it, but I didn't understand it and I didn't get it. Yeah. And I know what he means because I had stuff that I would teach people that I didn't understand until later. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. We can have stuff in our head and then it's got to go to our heart. But then even there, it's got to come from our heart into our life. Faith without works is dead. We got to live it. We got to practice it. It's got to become a part of us. And so 
that's that's a big progression of of the message of the cross and what is the message of the cross well there's one verse it depends on your translation one of them says for the message of the cross to us who are saved no the message of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness but to us who are saved it's the power of god in a different translation it says the preaching of the cross and so you know it is what's being preached it's that word it's that revelation it's that understanding that logos word of, of what god is revealing to you of the cross what what's the message of the cross and this is how i understand it the message of the cross is it is finished amen <laughs> it is finished that Jesus spoke seven times. He spoke to Mary and John. He spoke, you know, to his father different times. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Uh, uh, father, into thy hands I commit my spirit at the end. At a certain point, when he took our sin all upon him, then he didn't call him father. That was the only time he personally, directly called him God. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. Because now he's under the judgment of God because our sin came on him. And so, you know, he, he referred to him as God. And, but there was a one time, but there was a time he spoke out and he said, it is finished. And he wasn't talking to somebody specifically there. It was a proclamation. It was an exclamation. It was to us to all of us and that means that the work is paid the i'm sorry the work is finished the debt is paid and you found the perfect lamb it's all done everything that was necessary was done and it means whatever was done there has ongoing continuous results forever and Amen. ever and ever and so the lord is telling us whatever it is it's taken care of see the world was perfect when god made it and then it fell into a curse and animals started eating each other the ground wouldn't yield produce thorns came upon things sickness death all this rotten stuff came upon the world and that was because we turned from following god worshiping god and adam and eve and just following satan but God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a different tree. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, brought that sin into the world. But Jesus died on the tree of life. Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. And then he became that curse for us. He took that curse, redeemed us from the curse. We don't have all the benefits yet. Some are still in the future. Like, for example, in the millennial kingdom, the world's going to start bringing forth it's produce again, the desert's gonna blossom like a rose and you know, there won't be thorns on the plants and the lion and the goat and the wolf and the lamb and the bear and the calf, they're all gonna lie down together. They're not gonna eat each other anymore. The little kid can stick its hand in the poisonous snakes, the asps den, not gonna get stung. The world's gonna have peace, it's gonna have righteousness, It's it's not going to have that curse anymore, but right. we still live in that curse world. We don't, we don't have that yet. We still have pain and suffering. And that's why this world is a mess. 
it just is and sin is just taking it further and further and further and gotten worse but so i didn't understand the other stuff of the cross i was trying to i was trying to be a christian in my own strength i was trying to be what god said to be i was trying to do right be good it was the same thing i was trying to do before Mm -hmm. only now i'm trying to do it as a christian thinking i can do it and by now okay i'd gotten saved then i learned about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and that, you know, that was our gift for today, which you were talking about that at the beginning. And Peter on the day of Pentecost said, this is the promise of the prophet Joel. And this promise is for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are far off, even as many as our Lord, as the Lord, our God shall call. So it's for everybody. And Jude talks about us praying in the spirit, which is praying in tongues. And he says, when we do that we build ourselves up in the most holy faith and he said it's important to do that especially when we see the day of the lord's return approaching right so you can't if it's not for today you can't do it (laughs) but it is for today Mm -hmm. and it's part of the last day's outpouring so i'd received that and that that was a big help in understanding things of the lord and and you know it does give you power but not not in the sense of power that's victory over sin yeah, right not that power for service yeah well and for yes for service and for living right and for you know it does because it it, it does give you some for that because it does help you know when you pray in tongues it it helps you to find the mind of the Lord. It gives you that rest and that refreshing. It builds you up in the most holy faith, helps you to pray according to God's will. You know, it's 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 a blessing. And and it helps you understand the word of God more, helps you love Jesus more, yep. helps you desire things of him more, your your praise and worship changes, helps you remember scriptures more, it gives you more anointing as you're sharing the gospel. So there is stuff there. But as far as everyday life and what we need, the message of the cross is the power of God. And that's uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18. And then a few verses later in 23 and 24, the Lord's talking about it that, you know, it's a stumble block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But Christ crucified is the wisdom of God, the power of God. And wisdom is, is, you know, what we need to do, what, what the answer is. It is the answer. There's power in the blood. We sing. There's power in the blood. And then we forget it and we try to get our own power. And so I remember, okay, so I'm saved. I'm struggling. I'm trying to live this christian life i'm gutting it out for god trying to be this good christian and i'm reading stuff great grace was upon them growing grace and the knowledge of the lord i'm like well how do you grow in grace you can't earn it you can't deserve it how do they have great grace why did they get more than somebody else that's not fair you know how yeah. they get it right. you know how how do you get more and i remember as i'm reading through the bible i'm like okay Wait a minute. I got. I got to find out how. How does he end this thing? What is? What's it all about? The last thing you say is the most important. So what's the last thing God says? So I go to the last verse of Revelation, and I read it. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It, it didn't say anything to me. It didn't, I didn't get anything out of it. You know, I was like, okay, okay, that's it. Well, that's because I hadn't grown in grace. That's because I hadn't understood. I hadn't learned. Grace is divine assistance reflected in a life. In other words, it's God's help. It's God doing the supernatural. It's God doing in us the stuff we can't do. And I remember reading Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Come and take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden's light. And so I'm like, God, I know your word's true. You said it's light and easy. Why does it feel so heavy and hard? What, what am I doing wrong? What? I don't even, it's not light and easy, but you said it is. So, so I don't know. So as I started to, first of all, find out who I was in Christ, that understanding of justification that went from my theological head to my heart, to that rest in my life. Justification is God declaring us just or right or righteous. And it means we're not guilty. It means we're innocent. It means just as if we never sinned at all. And how can he do that? Because we were in Christ when he reconciled the world to us we were in him we were crucified with christ in the mind of god and the, the accounting of god we were in him in his perfect life he was our representative man he didn't come down here and fulfill god's law for himself and live a perfect life for himself he was already righteous in eternity past and so he did it for us because we we all sinned and fell short of the glory of god we weren't righteous. There's none righteous. No, not one. And there's none good. Only God's good. So he came born not of the not of a man, but born of a virgin. So he didn't have a sinful nature like we do that brings us to sin and causes us to sin and makes us want to sin. And it's just part of our fallen, cursed nature that there's something in us that wants to do things wrong, that makes us prideful, makes us selfish, makes us wanted to have our own way and jesus didn't have that and then he did everything right for us and then he took the death penalty to pay for our sins and so i knew that theologically i knew god made him jesus who never knew sin to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of god through him but i didn't understand that i didn't appropriate it for myself i still i was looking at how good i was doing did i mess up did i do enough spiritual things and i remember i had this giant ball and chain and my ball was six feet in diameter and i felt it i knew it was there it was solid lead i had this giant ball holding me back and i became aware of it and i'm like god i have no idea what that thing is but i'm chained to this giant ball 
and it's it's just a hindrance to me it's it's holding me back i know it's not supposed to be here i don't know what it is i don't know what to do with it all i know is to ask you to help me and take it away and i remember as i learned that message of the cross as i learned okay this is what i learned this is what i learned i learned that i was trying to do god's job 1996, I'm in a church in Sebring, Florida, and they're singing this song, Give Up and Let Jesus Take Over. And the Lord just jumped those words into my heart, give up and let Jesus take over. And I'm like, wait, Lord, I know you're telling me this, but I don't understand it. What do you mean give up and let Jesus take over? I got to do something. You can't steer a parked car. I got to move. I got to go. I got to do. I mean, I can't do nothing. And I didn't know what he meant. What he was telling me was that I was trying to do God's job. I'm trying to I'm trying to finish the work that God started. But his word says, he who called you is faithful, who also will do it. He who began the good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Yep. So I'm trying to make myself complete and whole and sanctify myself, which means to be set apart and made holy and, you know, consecrated unto God and all this stuff. I'm trying to do it myself. And it, I can't, and I'm not supposed to, it's God's job. I was not resting in the finished work of the Lord. I didn't understand it. I didn't know it. And in Hebrews, he talks all about how the, children of israel when they came out of the wilderness or i'm sorry when they got into the wilderness came out of egypt they got stuck there they died there he said because of their disobedience because of their unbelief they died there and he said if 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 jesus it says yeshua but the, it's the hebrew name for jesus i'm sorry for for joshua if he had given them the rest if joshua that's the hebrew name for jesus if he had given them oh wait a minute all right never mind i I can't pull it up right now he didn't they did not enter into rest because their unbelief but he said there therefore remains a rest for the children of god and those who enter their rest Enter God's rest, cease from their works, even as God did from his. And God ceased from his work on the seventh day, not because he was tired. He ceased from his work because it was finished. Everything that he needed was all done. Everything was made and he rested. He sanctified that day. He declared it holy. That's the first time sanctified is used, tied to rest. And he rested because it was finished. There was nothing left to do. Well, Jesus finished the work on the cross and we're supposed to enter that rest. And then he said, be diligent to labor, to enter that rest. And that's an oxymoron. You got to labor to enter rest. <laughs> Sounds like work to me, <laughs> but it is work. It is work because our flesh wants to do this. Our flesh wants to finish it. It's the way of the world. It's the way of everything. And we want to do it ourselves. But Jesus said, apart from me, you could do nothing. And so I had to learn that I was doing God's job. I can't do it. I had to learn to rest. I had to learn to let him do this 
sanctification too, that he's going to live the Christian life in me. It's by his power, by his grace, that I can't do this myself. And, and I remember the day that I just realized, hey, hey, my ball is gone. My chain is gone. I don't, I'm, I'm not even, it's not even broken. It's gone. And I just felt free. And I'm like, God, what was that thing? Praise the Lord. Thank you that it's gone. What was it? And he revealed to me that was my performance. I mm. was chained to my performance. I was bound to it. My whole measure of everything was, you know, if I did enough stuff to please God. Well, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. And that's the faith. It's it, because, okay, we read faith, but it says the faith, you know, in the original and the Greek and stuff. But our English language doesn't use that word the in the Greek and in the Spanish, la fe, which means the faith. They have it. And that means it's a specific faith. That's a definite faith. It's not just any old faith. See, because my faith had gone to me to live the Christian life and not it had, it had shifted from Christ to me for daily living. I still had it in him for salvation, but I had to learn that the cross is for salvation. It's for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for divine healing. It's for victory over the world victory over my flesh and myself victory over sin victory over the devil thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ it's for deliverance from bondages it's for daily provision that anything and everything we ever need comes through that finished work of the cross and okay grace is what i needed grace was god doing it grace was god's help not me doing it and Romans 5, it's either one or two. It says we access God's grace through the faith. So it's that faith. It's that faith in the sacrifice. The same faith that brought us in. See, that's what I had to find out. That it doesn't change. It, it, the, the plan of God, the way God works, there's only one way. And that way is the way of grace through faith. And so in Colossians chapter two, I love this. I love this so much because this is what the Lord had to teach me. And Paul's talking about the people in Colossae. And he says, oh, man, I'm, I'm rejoicing to behold your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. In other words, it's not moving. You're keeping your faith there. See, I moved my faith to myself for my Christian living. And it didn't work. I couldn't do it. He said, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So how did I receive him? I received him by believing, by grace through faith. I just believed and I received him. And it was just a gift from God. So walking is how we order our life, what we revolve it around, how we live. It's our daily conduct. And he says, you have to be rooted and built up in him. Speaking of Jesus, I got to be rooted. When you're rooted, you're not going anywhere. That's what's anchoring you. That's what's holding you, especially when there's a storm. You know, if, if you get a big, giant windstorm, 
the trees that don't have deep roots, they blow over and you see the shallow roots and stuff. Right. But the ones that have deep roots, they stand. They might be swaying and tossed to and fro and losing branches and all that stuff, but they're staying there because their roots are there and they're rooted deep. And we have to be rooted in Christ. And he says, built up in him. And that's that's what that's what edifies us. That's what builds us up. That's what what helps us to grow. Amen. Established established in the faith as you've been taught therein, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And you know, as we just thank the Lord, as we as we think of what he's done and who he is, then that allows us to live this Christian life. It allows us to grow. It allows us to do stuff. And then he gives us a warning. And this is what happened to me, the warning. Beware lest any man spoil you. And that means take you captive through philosophy. And that's the wisdom of man. And that's what I went back to. I went back to man's wisdom, the way of the world, the way of works, the way of performance, the way of you know, pleasing God by what I did instead of by what his son did. You know, it just, that religious spirit, it always says, do, do, do more, do, do, do. But Jesus says it's done. It's finished. Right. Receive. So, and after the vain deceit, that's the lies of the devil. Him just telling you stuff, you know, you're no good. You can't do this. You're not good enough. You're not, you know, you're, you're despicable. Well, that's true. You know, <laughs> so he, he mixes some truth in with that, but but he gets your focus on yourself and your eyes go on yourself and there's no hope there. There's nothing there but despair and discouragement. And, you know, there were even times that I could say to myself, okay, I got to take my eyes, put them on Christ. I'm looking at myself, but I still did it. <laughs> I would get all down and discouraged because I was looking at me instead of looking at him. And let me, let me take this where it goes because it's so good where God takes us. He says, after the tradition of men, and that's, you know, you go back to stuff you're taught, which is just man handing down stuff that doesn't come from the word. It doesn't come from God. And after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And so it, it's so natural to go back to that stuff because that's how we're raised. That's how we're taught. That's the way of the world. It's just natural. It just, it's, it just happens, you know? So we just fall back on that and it says for in christ dwells all the fullness of the godhead bodily and this is my favorite part here you are complete in him which is ahead of all principality and power you're complete in him well when something's complete you don't add to it so why am i trying to finish something that's already finished i started at the finish line i live at the finish line i'm here i'm working and i'm going i'm running my race i'm laboring at the finish line and what i have to do is maintain my faith i have to hold fast my confidence steadfast to the end they came to jesus they asked him what must we do to work the works of god and jesus answered them and said this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. I wanted my big to-do list and I was going to try to do it. And he gave us one thing, believe, believe in the one whom he sent. And then when you do that, you find that rest and God does it. And, and, and you can do that 
in all different areas of your life. Like you learn to do it in one place and then God brings you something else. And then you panic out and then it's like, now we have to find that rest again. We have to know that God's got this, that God's going to do it, that we have this trust toward God, not that we're sufficient in ourselves as to think of anything as being from ourselves, but all of our sufficiency is from Christ. Everything comes from him. He's the source. He's the source. We're not the source. And so as I just learned and continue doing it, to give up and let Jesus take over, then he does it. And have I arrived? No, <laughs> I'm still fighting the fight of faith. I still have stuff. And there's still struggles where, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because one day you'll be at rest and you'll have peace. And then the next day, all of a sudden you get worked up over that mm -hmm. same thing you were at rest yesterday, you know? And then you got to fight that fight of faith and, and and give it back to God. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Put it back in his hands and let him do his job because I can't do his job. It's, it's, a, it's a horrible mess if I try to do it because apart from him, I can't do anything. But he's the one where I'm his workmanship created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk therein. And so but he's the one. It's his workmanship. It's not mine. I'm the clay. He's the potter. And the clay can't do a thing. It just yield in the hands of the potter. And the potter does what he wants. And, and with that comes trust. Knowing that God knows what he's doing. And that's a process. Like through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I learned to trust in God. Through it all, I learned to depend upon his word. It's a song. It says, if I never had a problem, I yep. wouldn't know God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that this trial only came to make me strong. And so we go through stuff so God can teach us faith and dependence and patience and, and, and help us with all this. Oh, 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 let me say something. In the beginning, when when I was first learning this message of the cross and it's a cross, 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 sacrifice, blood, you know, and because of, of the way I was taught and being scared of false doctrine and all that stuff. And like you were talking about being told false things. I remember I was praying, I was walking my dog and I'm like, God, is this right? Is this, am I getting deceived? And is this cross thing, right? Am I, am I going too far with this? is is this of you and the lord it was super cool he gave me my own road to emmaus experience the two guys if you know this story after the resurrection jesus is back he's risen from the dead and he comes up to these two guys who are walking along and he just joins up with them starts walking with them they don't know it's him he says what are you talking about and they said what are you a stranger here don't you know what just happened in Jerusalem? Jesus of Nazareth, this man mighty in word and in deed, and we thought he was a Messiah, but evil men took him and they crucified him. And then the women said he rose from the dead. We don't know. And we thought he was the Messiah. And Jesus said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that's written in the law and the prophets. And beginning with Moses and through Malachi, he taught them how 
the Messiah must suffer. And so I, when I was walking my dog, that's what he did. And he did start in Moses. He just started dumping all these symbolisms on me and showing them to me that when sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit and sin came on them, they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together. God took those fig leaf clothes and he gave them animal skins. And to get the skin of that animal, he had to kill that animal, sacrifice it, shed its innocent blood and cover their nakedness. So the first sacrifice started by God when sin entered. And then the altars, he showed me how like Cain and Abel, and he wouldn't take Cain's altar because Cain offered veggies and veggies didn't die on the cross. But the Lamb of God died on the cross, and that's what Abel offered. So he accepted Abel's sacrifice. And by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which it testified that he was righteous. His gift testified. His gift was a slain lamb, representing the lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who take away the sin of the world. And then we just see altars all over the place. We see the sacrifice. We see the Passover lamb. And the Lord was just opening these up to me. And then like Rahab, the harlot who had the spies and she hit them. And then she said, hey, when you come and destroy Jericho, can you have pity on me and my father's house and show mercy to us? They said, okay, take this scarlet rope, this cord and hang it out your window. Then we'll know we won't attack that place. Well, the scarlet cord was representing the shed blood, that dripping blood, that, right. that blood that came down. And then the temple and everything in the temple and the tabernacle all pointed to Christ and everything about it represented his beating and his stripping of humanity and crushing and the death. And then, of course, obviously the cross. And then he gave us the ordinance of communion. He said, this is my, he took bread. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and this is the, the blood of the new covenant that's shed for you. And so that was a memorial. It wasn't a, it wasn't like I was taught. It didn't really turn into him. It was something to do to remember him. And then in heaven, they're all around the throne saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain, who redeemed us from every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue by his blood. And so all over, we see the blood, we see the lamb, we see the bloody door, that Passover door that yep. was all covered with blood. And then Jesus said, I'm the door. Well, the door lets you in or the door keeps you out, but it's a bloody door. And we see Noah's Ark made of that incorruptible wood that wouldn't decay. And that represented the cross and that Jesus would not decay. And that was the, the thing of salvation to lift them above the destruction. And there was only one door in that ark. And that was for them to go in and get saved. And we see the serpent in the wilderness and the Lord lifted it up. And he said, if you look and live, you'll, you know, just look at this with faith and you'll live. And he said, just like Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. And he was talking about the cross and that serpent just representing the sin and all the corruption and stuff. And and then in the millennial kingdom, we're going to have lambs again sacrifice. It, it's like it, it, we're not going to get away from that. And even the Jews, when they figure out that Jesus is the Messiah, it's because he sees the nail prints in their hand, in his hands and in his feet. And then they'll say, where did you receive those wounds? 
they'll say I was wounded in the house of my friends and that's how they're going to recognize he was a Messiah. So just like those guys on the road to Emmaus, the Lord opened up and showed me all these symbolisms over and over again. And then, you know, I'm thinking there's almost nothing for the resurrection. There's Jonah and the scapegoat. That's about it for the resurrection. All the symbolism is about the cross right. and the blood and the sacrifice. And he, he told us, I want you to keep, you know, celebrating this communion so you don't forget my death you'll proclaim it till i come and then he's going to have us remember it and those guys on the road to emmaus they still didn't get it and then he went in the house with them and when he broke the bread then they remembered the last supper when he said this is my body that's broken for you and all of a sudden their eyes were open all of a sudden they got it they were looking to the triumphant government overthrowing christ who would rule and reign and they weren't expecting him to suffer they didn't understand the cross they didn't understand that and so that's what the lord did and when he sent prophets they always rebuilt the altar they always pointed people back to the to the blood to the sacrifice and jesus said to the church at ephesus you're doing all kinds of stuff you're doing great you're doing this and that and the other thing and you know you tested these false prophets you knew they were wrong but i got something against you you left your first love yep. and who's our first love it's jesus and we love him because he first loved us and gave himself for us on that cross because that's where he demonstrated his love for us even when we're sinners he died for us and so when we leave our first love even though they were doing good stuff and not doing the bad stuff they they forgot about him and they were they were just doing it themselves and then we get to the last church and he's showing us jesus is outside the door of his own church knocking trying to get in mm. and they don't know he's not there they're saying oh we're rich increased with goods we don't need anything he says oh man you got to get some eye salve you don't know you're poor wretched miserable blind and naked they don't even know jesus isn't there and he's knocking outside the door and so when when i turned away from dependence on him and his sacrifice and that source of grace and that source of faith and i tried to do anything of myself praise god i couldn't do it <laughs> i'm so glad i couldn't because it made me come back to him if righteousness comes through the law, through faith in myself, then Christ died in vain. But I don't frustrate it. Christianity is total dependence on him. That's maturity. That's growth. That's that's what we got to do. We just got to depend more and more and more on him. And I love it. I love it. I love it that I don't have to do this, that he's going to do it. I, I can get like overwhelmed if I start trying to think of the future and get scared and all this stuff. But then I realize I don't have to do it. Right. He's got a plan. He's going to do this. He called me. He's taken me 36 years so far and he's going to bring me home and he's going to do this. And I just, I committed unto him. I'm, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that, which I've committed unto him against that day. So I commit my soul. It's in his hands. You know, Lord, Keep me established in this faith. Yes, I have to read my Bible. <laughs> We're not, uh, that's the trouble. See, that's the trouble. I tried to explain this in the beginning. I probably didn't do it well. And I remember like the people in my old church are like, well, you're saying we don't have to pray. You're saying we don't have to read the Bible. You're saying we don't have to go to church and give money or do any, you know. 
And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> right. And that's what people sometimes get mixed up and they think that's what we're saying. No, we're not saying that. You have to pray. How right. are you going to have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to? You have to read his word. How are you going to let him talk to you if you don't even know his word? How are you going to know what's true if you don't know his word? That's his revelation to you. You need to have some kind of teaching. He gave teachers to us, preachers to us, to edify and equip us. So we got to sit under somebody to teach us stuff. You know, he wants us to give to support his work. Some of it belongs to him anyway. And then the rest is what we give to him. We give him what belongs to him. And then the rest is our offerings. We give that to him. You know, fasting is at times when we're seeking his will or to draw close to him or just different, different things. It could even be, you know, spiritual battles, different purposes for it. There's reasons we do stuff. Now, here is the problem. When we put our faith in that, that right. is the problem. It's not that we don't do it. We don't trust in it. We don't put our faith in what we do. We're not doing it to earn points. Right. Christianity is not a, a scorekeeping brownie point system where we get points and demerits. No, it's already paid for. It's already done. It's already finished. Everything, all the inheritance, everything goes to Christ. And then we're joint heirs with him. And then we get his inheritance because we're joint heirs with him. That's why God wants our eyes to be enlightened, that we might know the riches of Christ's inheritance, that we might know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance among the saints, because we're joint heirs with him. And the stuff we get, we get by grace through faith, not because we earn it, not because we deserve it. It's because we need it. And it's because it's not because we're good. It's because he's good. It's because he's nice. He's loving, he's kind, he's gracious, and he gives good gifts to his children. And he equips us. He gives us what we need. He does the job, and he wants us to rest in him. And we labor from a position of rest. And that's the other thing people accuse you of. Oh, so you're saying we don't do anything. Yeah, we do. But we don't put our faith in that, even our labor for the Lord. Right. <laughs> Whatever God calls us to do, we let him do it. And because he's doing it, yeah, he's doing it through us. But then when we get there, we throw our crown at his feet because he's the one who did it anyway. And he's the one who's worthy. And we're not. And we're along for the ride. And when you're yoked up with Jesus, you're connected to him. He's doing the work. And you're just going along. And he's got us. We just got to stay connected. And we just, we're just there with him. And we rest and we trust. And he's going to do it. So giving up and letting Jesus take over doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means you do it from a position of rest, knowing that he finished the work, knowing he's going to complete the work, knowing that he's going to He's going to present us faultless before the throne and keep us from stumbling. We can't do that. And when we depend on him, he can do his job. And our job is to believe, trust and believe. That's it. Obey them. Just that's it. And and it's awesome to be able to rest in him and in his finished work, finished work, because I am complete in him. Amen. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it should be a relief, you know, to people that hear this message for the first time to know, like, you, you don't 
you could stop doing all these things and putting your faith in it. Like it's like we've been saying, you know, it is finished. You know, in, in the Greek, it was uh, I believe it was teleos, and it's an accounting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an accounting term that means paid in full. Like it, it's done, it's paid, it's finished. And you know, th- this this message, it's not. You know, this isn't a one-time fix, guys. Like, we we have to reaffirm our faith daily. And, you know, every morning, you know, Luke 9, 23 says, you know, Jesus said, anybody who's going to come after me, take up your cross daily. You know, we have to die daily and Amen. keep our faith anchored in, in what he did at the cross and leave it there. And, you know, um, when I first got saved, you know, even though I was hearing the message of the cross— after I got born again, I thought, okay, now I really need to learn this message of the cross. Like I was kind of, in my mind, I was thinking like it's some other thing or some other doctrine I, I had to learn, right? So I I really put myself to study, right? And I was, you know, like, you know, I drive a truck. So I was, I had so much content all day, all day, all day, all day, every day. And I'm thinking, I got it. Why, why don't I get this? Why don't I get this? Why don't I get this? And then one day it just, it clicked and the Lord revealed to me that I was putting my faith in listening to content to get the, get the revelation when the reality was I just needed to keep my faith anchored in what delivered me the night I got saved sitting in my recliner. And it was like that aha moment, you know? And the, the you know the other side of this message that I really want to bring up here um, is the sin nature, and you know you brought up how you had that that six foot wide ball and chain behind you, and you know after you, you got through and you said you know that was your performance your works, and you brought out um, the definite article of faith and how it's the faith. But, you know, that goes hand in hand also with Romans chapter 6 with sin. Because in Romans chapter 6, the definite article in the Greek is also used, and it's the sin. And it's, you know, Paul's laying out the sin nature and what the sin nature is and how it works. And, you know, when, when we're saved, the power of that sin broken or sin nature is is broken. It's essentially it's unplugged, right? But yeah, why right. we have you know why you had that ball and chain because of your works in in chapter Romans chapter seven, Paul mm-hmm. lays it out and and you know he 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 compares it, you know he gives you the the, the law of marriage and, and basically says when when you're doing you know, performing the law or doing that, you're you're basically frustrating the grace of God, and you're you're committing spiritual adultery. And, and I did that. Yeah, right. And, yeah, married to Christ, and then going back to my old husband, the law. Right. Yeah, which yeah. is self-performance. Laws, laws is works. Yeah, and it, it could yeah. be anything. You know, we could turn law. And you know, we're we're flesh. We we could turn law into anything because we think we have to do something for God. And, you know, Paul says in, in um, Romans 7, uh, verse 8 through, I think it's 12, he said, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, rotten me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. In the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. 
for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. So what he's saying is when when we're trying to perform by law, it's frust- it, the, the Holy Spirit's hands are tied, and we're yes. now reviving the sin nature. So we, we have to be uh, diligent in, in keeping our faith in nothing but, but what Christ did at, at the cross and, and stay there. Because law, you know, what is it? The strength of, is it the strength of... Uh, the strength s- of sin is the law. Right, of the law. And, yeah. it, it, you know, it's, and, it's a big ball of worms once you get in there. And what you just described is Romans 6.14. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you're under you're not under law, but you're under grace. Right. But if you go back to law, extrapolate. Sin will have dominion over you. Sin will dominate you. Sin will reign over you. Sin will be your king. You will be subject to it. So if you go back to law and you go back to your own willpower and your own strength and you commit that spiritual adultery by putting your faith in what you do. Like you said, it, it ties the hands of the Holy Spirit. He will not glorify another. He will right. not share the glory of Christ with us. The inheritance, the power all comes through Christ and through his work, not through our work. And so when we try to do it, the Holy Spirit backs off because he only works through the finished work right. of the cross. And when we're trying to do it, we're under law sin will dominate us but when we give up and let jesus take over now we're back under grace god's help god's divine assistance he's gonna do it now he he does it and there that's where we get the rest because right. he does it not us yeah and you know not only that but you know it, the holy spirit's hands are tied also because this it, it's a spiritual law you know romans 8 2 says for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death so when our That's faith right. is in something other than than christ and him crucified the holy spirit can't work it's a spiritual law his hands are tied if our faith is in you know reading the Bible too much or, or praying or, or anything that we do other than resting in the finished work of the cross, the Holy Spirit cannot move to give us that victorious life. And that verse right before says, there is therefore now no condemnation right. to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Walking after the spirit isn't your checklist of spiritual things. Okay, I prayed, I read, you know, I, I gave my tithe, I went to church. And no, no, walking after the Spirit is being led of the Spirit, and the Spirit will point you to Christ. So it's basically, it's just keeping your faith in Christ. And condemnation, that's not a feeling. That's talking about a guilty verdict and eternal damnation. But then he goes into the one you said about, because the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death. And then... 8, 3, and 4, I think it is, he says, what the law couldn't do, it couldn't do it because it was weak through our flesh. Right. God did, past tense, done, Already did finished, it. by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin. He yep. condemned sin. He didn't condemn us. He condemned sin. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the requirement of the law, which is righteous, it, re- it requires perfection. It's already fulfilled because Christ fulfilled the law. We are complete in him. 
it is finished and, right. and we don't have to keep trying it because we're not going to do it it's already done and when we try we're denying the finished work of the cross i know we don't understand it a lot of times but we're you're hearing it tonight yep believe it and and we got saved because we believed amen we believed we took our faith off ourselves put it in christ and you were talking about dying to self taking up your cross right. if any man wants to be my disciple let him take up his cross daily every single solitary day and die you and can't... follow me he said but a cross is to die on he said because whoever seeks to save his life is going to lose it whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it right so the cross is to die on you die to your ability you die to your wisdom you die to your strength you die to your will you die to your understanding anything and everything any self-dependence and you die to self right and then you get when we die to self we get the life of christ to die is gain i mean I, i'm sorry to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yeah. Yep. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And and not just in the end when we go to heaven, but every single solitary day yeah, every when day. we die, I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I don't frustrate or set aside the grace of God. Because if righteousness came by the law, Christ died in vain. And so we have to present ourselves a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto god because that's our reasonable service we just gotta when we die we get his life and how can you be a living sacrifice because when you die to self you get the life of christ amen and you know the reality is um you can't get if if you don't believe this message you can't be saved this is the message you believe to get saved and you know as you brought out earlier in, in colossians 2 like you know walk ye in the same faith that, that you came in on. You know, yes. and this, this, all of Romans chapter 7 is Paul laying out the struggle of him trying to get victory on his own. And he's struggling and he's fighting. And, you know, a lot of people come against this message and they try to say that Romans 7 was Paul pre-conversion. Well, that's not true because Paul wouldn't care about wanting to live for the Lord if he wasn't saved. He already has the desire there in his heart. And it, you know, in the end, in 724, he says, O wretched man that I am, who, the word is who, shall deliver me mm -hmm. from the, the body of this death? Not what, not what can I do, but who. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Jesus Christ right. is the one who sets us free by our faith in the finished work of the cross. It's that simple, right. ladies and gentlemen. And if we go back to the flesh, then we're serving sin. That's right. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh is self-dependence. Faith is dependence on the Lord. And it's resting in him. It's knowing he did it. And I know people don't know, you know. I, and I know, just for clarification for the people, you weren't saying you're not saved if you don't know the message of the cross right. sanctification, because so many people don't, and mm -hmm. I didn't. You learned it, thank thank the Lord, count your blessings. But I didn't know it, and I had to struggle, and I had to try to do it myself and find out I couldn't do it and, and suffer along. And now I know. Now I know he's pleased with me, not because I'm all that, because I'm none of that. But because his son is and my faith is in him and I'm in Christ. And so 
he's pleased with me because I'm in, in Christ. This is his, he said three times, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So he was talking about Jesus. He's pleased with him. And now I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And so that's it. My life is hidden in Christ. That's it. Right. He is my life. He is my life. He is my sacrifice. That's what I present to the father. I don't present Doreen to the father. <laughs> I present Christ and I'm accepted. Yep. And here's the thing. It's already done. It's already finished. He's just in the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. And it would totally be unjust of him not to accept us because that, then it would be denying his son's sacrifice. So that's why it's, he's just in the justifier. So because Christ already lived a perfect life, because he already took the payment for my sin and because he gave me his righteousness, it's already done. It's already finished. There's nothing I can do to take away from that because it's already done. It's already accepted. Right. It's he's, he's already seated at the right hand of the father. His sacrifice was accepted. God doesn't like me less when I sin. He doesn't want me to sin. He, I don't want to sin the Holy spirit. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. God is not going to lead you to sin. If you're led of the spirit, you're not under law because the spirit is not going to lead you to sin. He's going to lead you in right ways. Right. Uh, the way of the Lord is right. Righteous walk in them and are glad. But there's nothing I could do. There's no good deed, no wonderful spiritual thing that I can do that's going to add to the finished work of Christ. And what a disgusting thing to think I could. Yeah, My measly, right. paltry, little, nothing, trashy, self-righteous garbage. And I think I'm going to add that right. to what Jesus did, his perfection. No, no, no. But thankfully, the stuff I do... And it's not a license to sin. God, God doesn't want us to sin. He gave us the power over sin, which is the faith and the finished work. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the deliverance. Bondages were broken for any sin we can think of. They were broken at Calvary and we can receive that deliverance. He sets the captives free and he gives us that freedom. And we get that by faith too. Anything we get, we get by the faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad you you brought up the 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 point too that this this isn't a license to sin because right in you know Romans six one and two he says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein and you know the, this message is preached for salvation and the problem is. A lot of people don't know it's the exact same message to how to live for God, and, and yes. that's what we're trying to do. Like, it is the exact same message preached to get saved, and we're telling you, you out there it's the exact same message to stay yes. saved and to walk in victory and, you know, live live the Christian life. That's the answer. God's got one answer. The wisdom of God is the shed blood of the Lamb, the sacrifice of His Son, Everything was bought and paid for there. And some of the other usages of that word, Taleo, was that the work is finished. There's nothing left to do. Yeah. Or the high priest, when he found the perfect lamb on the Day of Atonement, after he searched and searched and searched for one that was perfect inside and out, because he'd be struck dead if he didn't have the perfect one. And he, they finally find it. He said, Taleo. Yeah. <laughs> that means we found the perfect lamb. 
like yay <laughs> right and the lord was telling us you found the perfect lamb stop looking somewhere else the work is finished stop trying to do this that's it the debt is paid what are you trying to pay for <laughs> it's already paid amen just receive just believe and receive and that's it and then you know romans 6 he says don't present your your members your body parts as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin unto death but present them as instruments of righteousness unto life you know because whoever you yield your members to you're slaves your servants to that one of who you do right so who do you want to serve you want to serve god or you want to serve your flesh and the devil no he didn't save us so we could keep on sinning he's holy and that's part of sanctification is the word santa you know holy like it's to be made holy and we're we're totally holy we are sanctified but it's positionally we're in christ right we are holy harmless undefiled we can lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting we are seated in heavenly places in christ jesus but then our condition there's still stuff god's working on he's still telling you hey you know that attitude's wrong or that thought is wrong or you know yeah we're not without you know, sin yet right uh, not until the rapture or that right. then we'll be glorified then our sin nature will be put away no our heart is still desperately wicked you know there's still so much garbage in there there's so much self-centered junk in our hearts and you know the Holy Spirit's conforming us to the image of Christ. And it, it is a it is an ongoing thing, but yet positionally we're already there. <laughs> Justification by faith. Yes. Yep. Yes. And sanctification by faith. Right. So there's there's both. And so but I like to think of it as our condition and our position. Right. But positionally, because the Lord did it and we're already done we have that but then our condition he's trying to to conform us to christ and get the garbage out of our life and make us holy i remember after my little brother was saved and he struggled with drugs and different things anyway he started learning the message of the cross and stuff and he's walking down a city street it was garbage night so people had their trash to the curb and he sees somebody coming out of the house with, you know, a small little bag of garbage and they put it in the dumpster thing, you know, the trash can. And, and he's walking down the road. Somebody else comes, somebody else, somebody else. Obviously, it's like, OK, God, you know, it's normal to have one or two people. Maybe they forgot something. They found some more garbage and they bring it out. But but you're trying to tell me something because this isn't normal to have all these people walking out, putting more stuff in their garbage. And so the Lord just spoke to him and said you think you're already there and you think i took all the garbage out of you he said you're you're not going to be done there's always going to be more garbage to take out right <laughs> that's what the lord was telling him you know and these people thought they took all the garbage out but yeah. here they come with that little bag from you know the bathroom or the one <laughs> yeah. from their bedroom or something and that's a good there's analogy. always going to be more garbage to be pulling right. out of you <laughs> that's a good and analogy we, we're not arrived we're not all there you know yeah get a mirror just ask somebody ask your husband or your wife <laughs> yeah right you know like like it's it's not a license to sin and it's you know we're not also preaching sinless perfection like the bible doesn't teach that you know we are a work in progress and until we get glorified bodies or you said death you know yeah we're going to be transformed 
You know, it took uh, God 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses, mm-hmm. you know. Um, before I wrap up and give us an altar call here, I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest pushback in the opposition to this message? Not in regards to salvation, but in, in regards to victorious living. I think one big stumbling block is ignorance, which means you don't know. Right. I think so many people don't know because it's not being preached, and it's just been buried. It's not a new thing. It's It's been in there for a couple thousand years in the New Testament, and it was there in the Old Testament. Jehovah right. Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. You know, he, he, he had this there, but it... It, it stopped being preached and it's brought back to the church now. And I will say a lot of people, they don't know the word. There's a famine in the land. And a lot of people have a lot of trashy, garbagey, so-called Bibles that are paraphrased, word of yep. men, not really the word of God, not a word for right. word, literal translation. And then the other thing, I think sometimes just pride and selfishness yeah. we don't want to die to self that was my we answer. want pride. to present our stuff we want to earn it. it it's part of the world's way we're not being conformed to god it's repentance is changing your thinking and believing what god says so we have to not be conformed to this world but transformed by renewing our mind that we might know that good and perfect will of god we have to come to believe what he says do it his way and to do that you gotta die you right. gotta die we don't want to die we don't like dying right we want to we want to have ourselves we we got pride we got selfishness we got uh our eyes on ourselves. but we are to behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and look unto jesus the author and finisher of faith who for the joy set before him despising the shame endured the cross and is now seated at the right hand of the father making intercession for us and that intercession doesn't mean he has to turn to the father and say hey father doreen just did this wrong or you know kirk had this bad thought or whatever no his very presence the fact that he's seated on his throne in exaltation tells proclaims that the work is finished the fact that he's sitting down he's not sitting because he's tired he's sitting because the work is done and he's sitting in glory reigning and it's just telling it's proclaiming that it is finished and because it's finished we're complete in him and we're seated in heavenly places in him but we gotta look unto him and we gotta have blinders on and not look anywhere else we can't put our faith our trust our dependence on anything except the finished work of the cross, that sacrifice. There's power in the blood. There's power in that blood. And that's where we have to look. And that's what we have to depend on. And then we just got to let God be God. (laughs) You know, don't just take him as Savior. Take him as Lord. Take him as Master. Take him as God. He's got to be on the throne. (laughs) Of everything. Yeah. We can't. Right. We, you know, he, he's God. He's worthy. He's right. He's righteous. He's holy. And we'll be on our face in front of him. <laughs> Amen. And we should be now, too. But he loves us. He cares for us. He took care of it. He took care of it all. He paid it all. It's so great a salvation. There's nothing 
lacking. There's nothing missing. It's all there. And we just got to believe it. And we just got to take our faith off ourselves and keep it in him and everything and anything we need. He's already provided. And even when we say Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. That that passage was when God provided the ram to Abraham when he was going to sub, when he was going to sacrifice Isaac. And God provided the sacrifice. He provided that ram caught in the thicket by its horns, submitting his power and authority. And the innocent died for the guilty one. And he substituted his son in our place. And now we just, we receive that. We receive his righteousness. We receive his goodness. We have to throw ours out. You know, people talk about, oh, they're sacrificed to God. They give up this or they give this to God. You know what he does? He says, thank you. He scrunches it up and throws it in the trash. Mm -hmm. Because whatever we give him, it's no good anyway. So he just throws it out and gives us more of Jesus. And that's what we need to do. Just, Just give it all to him just die and get his life and get get jesus what you can't get better right (laughs) you you you, there's nothing lacking there's nothing missing it's all perfect and and when we just rest yoke up with him go along for for the ride with him and look to him he's gonna do it he's gonna take care of it and we gotta rest and we gotta trust him and we gotta, we gotta chill. You know, we just get all worked up, and you know, oh, us of little faith, <laughs> why do we doubt? Yeah, because we take our eyes off him. That flesh gets in the way too. Yeah, and we look at the storm, and we look at the circumstances, and we look at self, and we look, 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 look everywhere but where we're supposed to be looking, and there's no hope anywhere else. There's no power. There's no, it's not, nothing else is the source. And, and you can't, you can't be having two husbands. You can't be looking two directions at the same time. You know, we can't be looking to self. We can't be looking to our church. We can't be looking to psychiatry and psychology, you know, that lies and says you're good and something went wrong, made you bad. God says, no, you're bad. You're still not good. <laughs> but right. my son is yeah. trusting him. And they don't have any answers. They only point you back to yourself. But we point you. And God points you. The Holy Spirit points you, always points you to the blood, to the sacrifice, to Christ crucified. I have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the power and wisdom of God. We don't need anything else. We don't need anything else. and Because that's all we needed. That's all God provided. And then everything comes through that. That's it. And that's the message of the cross. It is finished. It's all paid for. Receive it by faith. Believe it. Rest in it. Amen. Well, I think that's a good place to start wrapping it up here. You know, uh, Sister Doreen Burr, guys, you know, she never lets us down. I could I could just give you a monologue spot. I don't even need, you know, I... I <laughs> I love your I love your zeal for the Lord. It, it's so encouraging. It's such a such a blessing. You know, there aren't too many people out there like that anymore. And you know, it's it's 
it's refreshing to talk to you. <laughs> I'll say well, thanks that. be to God. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you know, and guys, uh, you know, don't take our word for it. Go to the word yourself and back this up. You know, all, all of the, I mean, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 are probably the most important chapters in the Bible. And you guys mm. can go read this for yourself. And, you know, you, you have to... You have to humble yourself to uh, throw throw yourself out. You got to deny yourself. We like we said, you got to die daily, and give give it all to God and and put it in His hands. Because as we've been saying, and as He said on the cross, it is finished. It's done. We don't have to do anything else but rest. And that that's the purpose of the, this uh, episode tonight is to give you guys. Uh, you know, stepping away from, t- I mean, it was a little bit of a testimony of, of how uh, Doreen came to the message of the cross, but this is the message of all messages that everybody in the world needs to hear today. And, uh, you know, guys, it, if you, you know, if you don't know the Lord or if you do know the Lord and, and you're, you fall victim to this and you, you, you know, you realize that, you know, you're, you're doing all these things to try and achieve something and gain something with God. And, and you're having a revelation tonight. We're, we're going to uh, lead you, everybody, in a sinner's prayer tonight again. You know, we do this on every episode because uh, we don't want any missed opportunities. You know, if you don't know the Lord tonight, if you want to come back to the Lord, or, or if you're struggling, we want to give you a chance to pray with us. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and Sister Doreen's going to follow after me, and, and you guys just follow along with us. Yes. Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven, I come to you today as a lost sinner. I come to you today as a lost sinner. I'm asking you to save my soul. I'm asking you to save my soul. And cleanse me from all sin. And cleanse me from all sin. I realize in my heart I need to be saved. I realize in my heart I need to be saved. Which can only come through Jesus Christ which can only come through Jesus Christ. I'm accepting Christ into my heart. I'm accepting Christ into my heart. And what he did on the cross for my redemption. And what he did on the cross for my redemption. In obedience to your word. In obedience to your word. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in my heart God raised him from the dead. And believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You've said in your word which cannot lie. You've said in your word which cannot lie. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I have called upon your name exactly as you have said. I have called upon your name exactly as you have said. And I believe right now I am saved. And I believe right now I am saved. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. And (laughs) hey, if you guys pray with us tonight and you have a born-again experience that you want to share on the show or any kind of testimony of what God's doing in your life, reach out to me at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. I'm sorry to let you guys down tonight. We only did an hour and a half. I know me and Doreen are good for a usual three-hour episode. but you know, uh, well, I, was, I was trying to keep it short. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It, it worked out great. You know, the spirit leads it, and we, we go with the flow, and, you know, I, I think it was a good one. So, Sister Doreen, I thank you again for coming on tonight. It's always a pleasure and a blessing to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. And and we just got to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. In other words, 
what are we looking to? What are we trusting in? And that's it. What are you looking at? <laughs> Amen. That's it. What are you looking at? That's right. You know, I, I, have, just... I have no problem bringing you on all the time. You know, iron sharpens iron, right? <laughs> well, anytime you need a filler, I'm ready. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming around tonight. Uh, take care. God bless. We love you. And we'll see you next time. Sister Doreen, have a good night. And you too. God bless everyone and rest. It is finished. Amen. God bless.